Bo Segrist here. I'm the host of the Premise Podcast, which is the podcast you're listening to. Now, as you may know, the Premise Podcast uh, gives you a new podcast every week, and we're very excited about the one this week. It's actually very close to my heart, you see. Um, For a long time, I've wanted to enter into the podcast realm um, and find myself working in the uh, the genre of podcasts that creates content for those of us in the population who have a hard time sleeping at night. I myself am no stranger to uh, having trouble to not really gelling when the Sandman calls your name, not being able to pick up that phone. Um... Yes, I, I too have had my sleep problems. You know, I know what it's like to to not be able to keep those eyes closed at night. I know what it's like to be tossing and turning in the wee hours of the morning. I know what it's like to um, wake up and find yourself still in that night terror that you thought you escaped from. I know what it's like to open your eyes and not be able to move because a shadowy figure is standing right in front of your face. And as you try to scream, nothing comes out of your mouth. Um, you know, I know what it's like to, uh, to take that sleeping pill and it, um, only makes you hallucinate. Uh, I know what it's like to be in that stress dream for the hundredth or two hundredth night in a row, the same dream. I know what it's like to, um, see a real person in your dream, one that can actually harm you. I know what it's like to be in dreams where if you die in that dream, you die in real life. So I know sleep, and I know what it's like to not be able to sleep. And that's why this podcast means a lot to me. And I I wanted to do one of these podcasts, a podcast for people who can't sleep, because I, I found in my attempts to find a podcast for uh, people like me that many of them fall short. Um, You know, there are some podcasts that are ASMR and those are meant to help you sleep, a lot of them, and they don't help me because ASMR is... How do I put this? Um, It can be a bit... tingly to the ears if you're understanding me there are other types of podcasts meant to lull you to sleep that are um you know someone reading what's supposed to be a boring book so you fall asleep the the problem is i tend to enjoy reading especially when it's uh, classic pieces of literature whether it be sense and sensibility don quixote or you know um a classic like a farewell to arms So those don't help me either. And there are a lot of podcasts within this genre um, that are meditation podcasts meant to kind of lull you to sleep through the art of meditation. The only problem with that is I am a practicing Christian, so meditation is kind of out of the question for me. So this podcast um, is the Bedtime Stories podcast. And... I hope you give it a chance. If you're in a car right now, I should warn you, if you're driving in a car, you better turn 
this off. Because, oh, buddy, you're going to wreck that thing because you'll be, ooh, sound asleep. Um, you're going to fall asleep at the wheel if you're in a car. I guarantee you. And I refuse. I refuse. And I, I've, um, I have lawyers. Um, I refuse to take any kind of legal responsibility for any car wrecks that this podcast is, uh, to be frank, um, bound to incur. So, I hope you're ex- as excited as I am for what follows, which is the Bedtime Story Podcast. host Bo Segrist and I hope you're ready for a good night's rest. You know uh, when I was a young boy uh, I had problems getting to sleep and staying to sleep. I was very frightened. I was a very uh, scared child and so to help me sleep uh, my mom would come into my room and would uh, read me bedtime stories until uh, her soothing voice lulled me to sleep. Uh, she'd read me fairy tales like Snow White and the Seven Dwarves. She'd read me fables like The Tortoise and the Hare. And like any good mother, uh, she read to me from the tabloids and from People magazine about uh, classic stories of the personal lives of celebrities. And so, um, now... I think it's time for you to get to rest as I give you some of these stories. So get yourself tucked in, uh, fluff up your pillow, find the cool side of it. Go ahead and pop those dentures out and drop them in that glass of water on your bedside table. Get ready to slip into some deep, deep sleep. Maybe the deepest sleep of your entire life. We're going to jump right in with our first bedtime story presented to you by the Bedtime Story Podcast. Um, This bedtime story is called The Time Tim Allen Was Arrested for the Trafficking of Cocaine. It goes like this. Once upon a time, there was a comedian named Tim Allen, and he was a Republican. He started his comedy career in 1974 in a city called Detroit, Michigan. Detroit was a very beautiful city and was home of the car. That's where all cars came from. Tim Allen knew a lot about cars, but he also knew a lot about comedy and a lot, a lot about cocaine. You see, uh, on October 2nd, 1978, uh, famous comedian Tim Allen was at the Kalamazoo Battle Creek International Airport in Kalamazoo, Michigan, and he was arrested there. He was caught with over 650 grams or 1.43 pounds of cocaine on his person. And he was taken to prison and uh, Tim Allen uh, pleaded guilty to felony drug charges and faced a life sentence in prison. But uh, Tim Allen was a smart man 
and he knew that he didn't want to be in prison for his entire life. He sat in his cell and he said to himself, I have a comedy career to work on. I have to get a show called Home Improvement where I play a carpenter. I can't do that from prison. And he asked a guard, he said, Mr. Mister Prison Guard, can I be a prison comedian? And the prison guard said, sorry kid, not unless you become a snitch and get out of here. And that's exactly what Tim Allen did. He got his sentence shortened by agreeing to rat out uh, approximately 24 other cocaine dealers. And those 24 people were arrested so that Tim Allen could leave federal prison and start his comedy career again. Tim Allen only spent two years and four months in federal prison, and he was paroled on June 2nd, 1981, so that he could return to comedy. ABC picked up the show Home Improvement in the early 90s, and Tim Allen played Tim the Toolman on it, a legendary sitcom role. He also starred in movies like The Santa Claus, Toy Story 2, and Christmas with the Cranks. Tim Allen even went on to host the 8th Annual TV Land Awards in 2010, and he's in a very select group of um, former convicted felons who went on to host that award show. In 2011, ABC brought Tim Allen back on for a new show called Last Man Standing, and it was a lot like Home Improvement. And so Tim Allen lived happily ever after. Now, if that first story didn't get you to sleep, don't worry, we'll have more bedtime stories. Um, before we get there, we're gonna do a few extra things. Um, we're gonna fill you with the sounds of sleep to help lull you off to uh, the Sandman's land, his domain, the place where um, he, uh, he gets what he wants. We're gonna insert some sound effects here to help you sleep again if you're not already asleep. Listen to these crickets chirp. Ooh. Hear the way they purr. Making sweet, sweet love outside of your window pane. Ooh, they'll get a good night's sleep tonight, don't you think? And now here's some rainfall to help you sleep. I'm not outside so I don't get pneumonia from the wet wet cold and if you're anything like me well you just can't get to sleep without someone snoring next to you Alright, if you're still with us, still awake, 
maybe a bit restless, I'll try to calm you down with another bedtime story. This next one is called The Many Marriages and Divorces of Elizabeth Taylor. Once upon a time, there was an actress named Elizabeth Taylor, and she was a very beautiful actress. She was not just that, but she was a very famous actress, maybe the most famous actress of her time. She starred in movies like Cleopatra and Cat on a Hot Tin Roof and Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf. Now, uh, when Elizabeth Taylor was 16, uh, she started dating a football star. And the next year, she was engaged to a different man, a man who was the son of a U.S. ambassador. But Elizabeth Taylor didn't marry that man. And she was so pretty and beautiful and so weddable that um, the famous film director and aviator uh, Howard Hughes wanted to marry Elizabeth Taylor very badly. And so he did what any reasonable millionaire would do, which is offer her parents hundreds of thousands of dollars to uh, take her hand in marriage, but they refused. There were just too many other people that Elizabeth Taylor wanted to marry. She married her first husband, whose name was Conrad Nicky Hilton Jr., when she was 18 years old. He was the heir to the Hilton Hotel's fortune, and they settled into their home to live happily ever after. Eight months later, they got divorced. Taylor's second husband was British actor Michael Wilding. They got married on February 21st, 1952. He was 20 years older than her, and they had two kids together. They announced their separation in July of 1956, and were divorced by January of the next year. Her third husband was theater and film producer Mike Todd. They got married on February 2nd, 1957, uh, just a little bit under a month after she divorced her second husband. Um, and he died in a plane crash. And that was on uh, March 22nd, 1958. Luckily, uh, his friend Eddie Fisher was available to console Elizabeth Taylor, and uh, they had an affair, even though Eddie Fisher was married to Debbie Reynolds. So Eddie Fisher divorced Debbie Reynolds and then married Elizabeth Taylor, becoming her fourth husband on May 12th, 1959. And they were uh, married, but in 1962, Elizabeth Taylor starred in the film Cleopatra alongside Richard Burton, who was also married, and she and Burton started having an affair. So she divorced Eddie Fisher on March 5th, 1964, and ten days later, married Richard Burton. He became her fifth husband. 
the media loved Liz and Dick, as they called them. They were the celebrity couple of their day. They starred in 11 films together. They lived life very extravagantly. They bought homes and cars and mortgages and fur coats and dinners and shoes and watches and furniture for their house and uh, possibly television sets and wardrobes and hair and makeup and they um, were very rich but they got divorced for the first time on uh, in June of 1973 then they got remarried on October 10th 1975 and then got divorced again in uh, July of 1976 Elizabeth Taylor's sixth husband was John Warner, and he was a Republican politician from Virginia. They got married in December 4th, 1976, and they got divorced in November of 1982. Then Elizabeth Taylor, the beautiful and famous actress, uh, dated another actor, Anthony Gary, and then she got engaged to a different person uh, who was the lawyer, Victor Luna, and they were engaged for two years. Uh, but then, in 1988, she met Larry Fortinsky, who was a construction worker. And they fell in love and got married on October 6th, 1991 at... Michael Jackson's Neverland Ranch. That's where they got married. And they divorced five years later in October 1996. And she lived happily ever after without a eighth husband. Um, and then she died in March of 2011. And she was 79 years old. And in her 79 years, she had 8 marriages and 10 engagements to her name. And she lived happily ever after. Now, maybe you're still awake. Maybe you're still listening to the podcast. Haven't quite been able to get to sleep. Uh, what I want you to do is don't think about it. Don't think about how you can't sleep, how your eyes are still open, how you're trying so hard to get to sleep, how you have an appointment in the morning, maybe. And if you don't meet that appointment, you might lose your job. Then how would you pay your bills? You could lose the house. You could lose the kids. You, like Elizabeth Taylor, could uh, get divorced if you don't get to sleep. So, um, I'm going to do whatever I can to help you get to sleep. Now something that helps me get to sleep is a warm glass of milk. What do you say we have one together? I've got a cup here and I got my carton of milk. Open that baby up. Give it a little pour. And uh, mine's already warm because it's been sitting out for a few hours. 
but feel free to take the time to uh, uh, pop yours into the microwave just um, try to still stay restful while you do that or it might wake you up for good like you might never get back to sleep um, so now we can uh, drink our milk together done with mine are you almost finished with your warm glass of milk I'm gonna go for one last sip <laughs> now I'm gonna wipe my face with my shirt because I'm still in bed I suppose you could use your linens to wipe your face. By the way, I record the entire podcast from my bed because I want to be able to empathize with you and how you're not being, uh, how you're not sleeping right now, but you're in bed. Now, is that warm glass of milk? <laughs> Excuse me. I don't know about you, but my eyes are getting heavy. Now, if, uh, maybe you're not able to yawn right now. Maybe you're having trouble getting to sleep still. Maybe what you need is a word from our sponsors. The Bedtime Stories podcast is brought to you by Medina Cell. Medimacil is a new sleeping drug that is fresh on the market. It'll help you get to sleep all night, every night. Medimacil has only gone through animal clinical trials. It has been proven to kill test rats. Sign up now to join clinical trials for Medimacil today. Medimacil, it's the only hope for you to sleep, Medina Sill. Now let's get back to the show. Well, you seem tuckered out, but I guess you're still up. My prescription for you, a little bit of Medina Sill, and another bedtime story. Our third bedtime story is called the time Babe Ruth ate so many hot dogs that he had to go to the hospital. Once upon a time, there was a man named Babe Ruth. Babe Ruth was a bad child, and so his parents sent him to an orphanage. We don't know why they did that except for the fact that he was a child who ate a lot of hot dogs and got drunk on beer all the time um so but we are very happy that they did send him to an orphanage because that's where babe ruth learned how to play baseball you see back then in baseball no one hit home runs 
they would only hit triples, or even worse, doubles. But at the orphanage, Babe Ruth could hit home runs even as a seven-year-old. So the priest decided that even though he was quote-unquote incorrigible because of all his beer drinking as a child, uh, they thought he had value as a plus-sized athlete. So Babe Ruth became a professional baseball player, first for the minor league team, the Baltimore Orioles, who then sold his contract to the major league team, the Boston Red Sox, and for them, he became a star pitcher. He actually became one of the best pitchers in the league, and an even better hitter. So the New York Yankees purchased his contract in 1920 in a trade. They offered the owner of the Red Sox money to finance a play. This fact still upsets people in Boston to this day, many of whom who have never even seen a play. Now, after he was traded to the Yankees, Ruth became one of the greatest hitters of all time. He would go on to set the record for home runs, which would not be broken until 1974, long after he died at a relatively young age. Babe Ruth was also one of the greatest drinkers and eaters of all time. He slept with lots of women who weren't his wife and drank lots of beer that he probably got for free. One time, a private detective followed Babe Ruth, and uh, he trailed Babe Ruth all through the night and uh, reported back to the Yankees who had hired the detective that Ruth had had sex with six different women that night. Ruth always ate more than anyone else in baseball history and maybe history itself. Often he would eat 12 hot dogs in one sitting and as many bottles of soda. But one day, the Yankees were playing a doubleheader. And after the first game, Babe Ruth went to the clubhouse. And while everyone else relaxed and stretched and got ready for the second game, he decided to eat even more hot dogs and drink even more sodas than usual. And he did that and then went out to play the second game of the doubleheader. And then he had to go to the hospital. And he lived happily ever after. Now, maybe you still can't get to sleep. Maybe it would help to get up and take a pee. But don't turn that bathroom light on. No, no, it'll just wake you up more. Just pee in the dark if you want to sleep good. Finished? Well, did you wash your hands? Go ahead. All right, good. Now, fumble your way back to bed and doze off while I begin the next bedtime story. This bedtime story is called Bruce Willis's Short-Lived Music Career. Once upon a time, there was a movie called Die Hard. The man who acted in that movie was named Bruce Willis and he was a bald actor. Before he was completely bald though, Bruce Willis wanted to have a music career. Bruce Willis recorded his album, which he called The Return of Bruno, even though it was his first album and his name was Bruce, 
and it was released in January of 1987. Songs on the album included Respect Yourself, Under the Boardwalk, and Secret Agent Man. His album sold over 100,000 copies in the United Kingdom, earning him a gold record. He followed this album with a second studio album, If It Don't Kill You, It Just Makes You Stronger. The second album did not earn him a gold record, and he lived happily ever after. Now, if you're still awake, you made it through many bedtime stories, and I think it's in your head. We need to get your mind off the fact that you need to sleep and how your spouse is going to leave you, possibly, and your life is going to fall to pieces if you don't get to sleep. So don't think about that. Don't think about how uh, this lack of night's sleep is going to kill your marriage. Let's get something else on your mind. This is a practice that I use a lot when I can't sleep. I want you to think about all the regrets you have in your life. Think about that person you're not on speaking terms with. How mad they make you. How much you do or don't want to talk to them. Think about how it wasn't your fault that you had a falling out. That it was their fault. They're mean. And they hate you for some reason. Why? You don't deserve that. You're just trying to get a good night's sleep. Now, think about other poor decisions you've made. Think about when you've been embarrassed. Think about that one time when you're about to get up right in front of everyone and a little bit of pee leaked out. And then when you try to wipe it off, it just spread the pee around so it looked like a bigger pee stain. And you could tell people that it was just water that you spilled. But then if you pointed it out, they would notice that it wasn't drying away, which is what water does on your pants, but not pee. So then you got up in front of everybody to give your speech, and you held your notes like down very low near your hips to try to cover the pee stain with your notes and look down there, but then that just drew everyone's attention to the pee stain, and they all saw the pee stain. Now, think of all the people you've dated, especially the relationships that didn't end well. Think about whether you did or didn't like them. Think about the ones that uh, rejected you, the ones whom you may have rejected if you had the opportunity. Think about all your lost loves, the ones who got away, the ones who you thought you were better than, but then realize very quickly they were much better than you. Think about how they're all having a good night's sleep right now. Isn't that what you want? What do you say it's time to get to sleep out of spite? Show them that you can't get a good night's rest, even though their mother always said you couldn't. Let's get to our last bedtime story. Now don't panic that this is the last one. Just put this podcast on a loop and let the Bedtime Stories podcast lull you to sleep. And I promise it'll do it. 
by at least the third or fourth or even seventh time you listen tonight. Here's our bedtime story. This bedtime story is called The Story of Ken Burns. Once upon a time in Brooklyn, Ken Burns was born. He had a shaggy beard that was cut very short all the time, and he had a haircut that he did himself with a bowl. Ken's mom died when he was 11. And that's when he decided to be a documentary filmmaker. Ken Burns' first documentary was about the Ann Arbor factory, and he made that documentary when he was 17 years old. Most people haven't seen that documentary. But then Ken and his friend Roger founded Florentine Films, which produces all of his documentary films. Ken became famous for his documentaries, which all pan over a picture of a person while another person uh, reads that person's letter that they wrote. Ken Burns went on to make such documentaries as Ken Burns Civil War, Ken Burns Baseball, and Ken Burns Jazz. Without Ken Burns, no one would ever know what the Civil War was, or what baseball was, or what jazz was. And Ken Burns continues to live happily ever after. Well, that's our last bedtime story of the night. If you're still up, like I said, just play the podcast again. And hold on tight to your spouse. Because you just may not have them for much longer. From everyone here at the Bedtime Story Podcast, this is Bo Seagrest wishing you a good night's rest. Good night. (laughs) 